Hello, my name is Sarah Sloan, and this is The Sarah Sloan Show. Really creative name, I know. Well, I hope you guys are doing well. Today, uh, I'm actually going to be talking about Rush Limbaugh. I don't know if you know of the guy. Uh, he, he died February 17th, and normally with celebrity deaths, I, I, I don't always care that much. Like, I'm always sad if someone dies, but... This one was different for me just because I did listen to the show. And I'll tell you more about that in a bit. But I listened to the show and I really enjoyed it. And so this death meant a lot more. And then, you know, we had both sides of the aisle giving their takes on his death. And uh, they were a bit different. I'll just say that. But (laughs) if you, you know, if you knew anything about Rush, uh, he was actually... He was extremely wealthy. Um, This is a Yahoo article that I found. So at the time of his death, Limbaugh's net worth was $600 million, according to Celebrity Net Worth, with an $85 million annual salary at the time of his death. Rush Limbaugh reached number 11 on Forbes' list of celebrity earnings in 2020 and also ranked a amongst the highest-earning radio show host, according to Forbes. Celebrity Net Worth says Limbaugh was the second-highest-paid radio host in 2019 behind Howard Stern, which that guy makes a ton on uh, Sirius XM. I've never heard a show, but I, I've heard clips, and he, he's an interesting guy. But imagine, imagine doing a show for 30 years where you're just sitting and talking for three hours I don't think people realize how hard it is to do this sometimes. I do a little podcast every once in a while. It's hard. It is really difficult. And yeah, I I think a lot of people, they just wanted to kind of highlight all the negative stuff that he said, all the crazy stuff that he said, rather than the whole idea of him. And I think we're doing this more and more with people's deaths, which is sad. I think I even saw celebrities were saying, rest in piss which i was later informed is kind of supposed to be like rest in peace but it's supposed to be kind of gross (laughs) rest in piss really that's the most creative you can get and plus that that would make for a very stinky funeral so i'm really not into that but speaking of the good um well no yeah well a lot of people have stories where he gave tons of money away waitresses waiters if he if they served him well he would give them thousands of dollars he gave millions of dollars away in charity he was a very giving man and you know i'm gonna play a couple of clips um where he's speaking just so you can get a an idea of him but what i would hate so much is for people my age to just listen to the media listen to the cnn msnbc and take their word for what this man is whenever they truly never listen to him or only took the worst things he's ever said. Because if people did that to me, oh man, everybody should hate me then. Because I've said some things that I probably shouldn't have said. I do it every day, and everybody does. Unless we just all want to live silent lives. I, you know, we're all going to say things that we shouldn't say. So he actually contracted lung cancer, I think in 2020. And um, that's whenever he started, you know, mentioning God on his show. People... They never really knew his faith um, because it's such a big audience. He spoke to, you know, with listeners of 27 million, 
27 million people listening to you a week, you know, TV networks would love to have that amount. So um, here he is. Let's see. Someone told me, I think, um, I think this is good advice, maybe helpful. The only thing that any of us are certain of is right now, today. That's why I thank God every morning when I wake up. I thank God that I did. I try to make it the best day I can, no matter what. Don't look too far ahead. I certainly don't look too far back. I, uh, I try to remain as committed to the idea what's supposed to happen will happen when it's meant to. I mentioned at the outset of this, I think the first day I told you that I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It is of uh, immense value, strength, confidence. And that's why I'm able to remain fully committed to the idea that what is supposed to happen will happen when it's meant to. There's some comfort in knowing that, that some things are not in our hands. There's a lot of fear associated with that too, but there is some comfort. It's helpful. God, is it It's helpful to be able to trust and to believe in a, in a higher plan. So, I, again, let me just thank all of you for your support, your prayers. I send the same to all of you through anything that you are facing. Yep, so that was, uh, that was a big deal for people that didn't really know how much God meant to him. Um, just a, a little interesting thing about him, Rush Limbaugh, in that family, the R Limbaugh family, they're a family of lawyers. And so Rush, he really... Um, he was different. He wanted to go into radio and he was trying and trying for so many years and he just kept on failing where basically his shows didn't pick up. Uh, people would fire him and then finally he started catching steam and he's really credited for um, all the conservative people that speak today. They really wouldn't have a career if it wasn't for what he started and he saved AM radio. FM was taken over. And yeah, he single-handedly saved AM radio. So Ben Shapiro has to thank him, Michael Knowles, um, AFR, all these people have to thank Rush Limbaugh. Let's see. Uh, basically, I was listening to Rush Limbaugh a little bit while I was in college just because so many people would mention him. And, and I thought, okay, well, this guy must be interesting. So I listened to him and I thought he was interesting. You know, I thought it was, it was good, but... Uh, I stopped. I just didn't, he didn't have a podcast and so it wasn't convenient enough. So then later on, he did end up getting a podcast. And, uh, you know, after that, I was able to listen to him and I enjoyed him more and more and more. He has such a different uh, style and tone and he's able to be really funny, um, even with, uh, you know, very serious issues. He's always lighthearted where you didn't leave the show upset or, um, depressed, like a lot of people do. Sometimes even after Ben Shapiro, I, I, you know, I'm a little depressed. Not much, but a little. And he, he just wasn't that way. And so he always has a hope and a belief in our country. 
and it's it's wonderful to hear. And so it really got to the point where I knew that he had the lung cancer and he yeah, he died at the age of 70. I hung on to every single show that he was on. He had so many guest hosts and so I skip a lot whenever the guest host was on, but whenever he was on, I was listening and listening. And then boom, I get the news notification on my phone, he's dead. And yeah, for, you know, I I I really really respect a man who uh, lives a like life like he did. So uh, he was he was very out there. People hated listening to him, and he they always thought he was so um, so much of a braggart. And he did that as part of his show, you know. And it was it was actually very funny that he said those things about himself. And so I'm gonna play a clip of. Um, David Letterman interviewing Rush Limbaugh and he's David Letterman is trying to suck up to the Clintons because it, you know, they're, uh, it's Bill, Bill Clinton is the president at the time and he knows that Rush is going to oppose him. And, you know, that's part of what makes for interesting television. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I was lucky enough. I was invited down to Washington to participate in this Kennedy center honors program. I got, I got to meet, uh, president Clinton and his wife. Oh, Hillary. aren't you lucky? Oh, I enjoyed it. <laughs> No, I enjoy it. Something I've always wanted to do. Have you met President Clinton? I've not. I've not met him. You know, he, he to me seemed like he was too busy really to talk to me, and I think that's good. Because I think you I think you want a president who's got his mind on other things than saying hello sure to, to he TV did boy. Have his things yeah. on other things. Minds on other but Hillary I found very, very pleasant, very did personable, you? very smart. You know, there's something about Hillary. I got to tell you, how, how many of you in this audience or out there think that Hillary is a great example? Maybe you do for feminists. She's a great feminist. All right. All right. I'm, I'm going to tell you, Hillary Clinton is the lousiest, the worst example for a woman who wants to follow the feminist route because she didn't. Let's look at what Hillary did, Dave. Want to follow me on this? <laughs> sure. <laughs> what choice Hillary do I have? Clinton, no, Hillary. <laughs> You know, a lot of people are clearly bugged by me, Dave, and it's because I have, I have almost a monopoly on the truth. And I'm going to give you an example. <laughs> I am. Let me tell you now. Now wait just a second. Fo follow me on this, folks, because it's absolutely true. The feminist movement tells you that what you ought to do is strike out on your own, right. be dependent on no one, mm -hmm. and certainly don't be beholden to anyone for what you get. But what did Hillary do? She went to college, found Clinton, they went out and studied in the grass out there with some weeds hanging out their mouths and they're studying doing all this. She attached herself to a guy that she saw was going someplace, and when he got there, she took over. No, she, no, no, no. That's... That is exactly that is exactly what happened. Yeah, but first of all, when she, there's nothing no, feminist no, no, about no. what she but did. But when Clinton was that age, how could you tell he was going anywhere? Now, this this is a good you know question. What I mean? <laughs> now wait, there's an answer to this. There's an answer to this. She didn't know that he was going anywhere, but she probably didn't meet anybody else that gave out any signs oh, that they no, were going no, anywhere no, no, else no, either. No, no. And so, and so I think she just kind of rolled the dice. Hey, look, they got together, and, and they've done this as a team. There's no question about well, that. Well, I think that's but, okay. I don't have a problem with that. And I must say, again, I'd never, I'd never met her, and, and I'd made jokes about her, you know, all during the campaign and now that they've been in office and so forth, and I was really very impressed. She's just a nice, well, decent, I sensible woman. 
Yeah, and I say, I say that for two reasons. One, of course, because I mean it, and two, because we're trying to suck up yeah. to them to get yeah, her on facts. the show. But it's, really, tr it's true. I was very I know impressed. everybody. You know, I was at Los Angeles for a book party the other weekend, and, and her best friend is Linda Bloodworth-Thomason, who produces TV producer, Designing right? Woman sure. and, and uh, uh, Hearts of Fire now. And she sat me and said, you know, if you just meet Hillary, you would love Hillary. Yeah. Now, everybody that meets her says that. And I'm sure she's a charming woman. Look, I have no problem with Hillary Clinton's personality, who she is. But it's like this Vogue magazine layout that everybody is just tripping out over. Here are her uh, photos, which I think one of them looks like a Pontiac hood ornament, to tell you the truth, if you look at it. But... but Look at it and you'll see that it You know, you can you can say that because you are the finest looking human specimen on the planet. That's, that's right. I'm say that. There you wait. Now see, there you go. There I go. There you go. You go. Oh, hey, 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 hey. Or just trying to have fun. Wait just a second. That was not a comment on her appearance. It was a comment on the layout of the photos. You take a look at one of them. You're a big car buff. You look at a you look at a, a Pontiac hood ornament. And you'll see. All right. But the problem with all this is, Dave. What am I missing over here? I don't know. It's going nuts. <laughs> the problem with this is, is that the photo layouts are nice, and Hillary's nice, and I'm sure she's charming, but listen to what she says she wants to do. The issues and the ideas, she does it in secret. She won't let anybody in. We knew more about who was running China than who was in that uh, Yeah, you know, but the problem Because we had me. pictures of the people I know, that but listening China to and around. understanding the issues is too hard. Well, no. No, no. <laughs> listen to my show, and you'll understand it. That's why I'm here. <laughs> Yeah, so that that is uh, classic Rush Limbaugh. Um, he he was able to really explain the conservative issues. Um, he was an ambassador for that, and there was even a story that I heard of. Uh, many times, mechanics would be working on people's cars. They'd obviously switch it to Rush Limbaugh, and then they'd forget to switch it back to whatever it was on the radio back. And then people would drive away, and then they turn on the radio, and Rush Limbaugh was on, and they get so angry, but then they couldn't stop listening. And a lot of people ended up <laughs> becoming conservatives because of that. And just so many stories like that, just because he explained issues so well. And you know, you hear this audience, and they're just booing. They hate everything he has to say, uh, but. But they know it's true. And uh, on it, this is a video that I was watching while this clip, it, that's what this clip is. And he is exactly right. Uh, the way that she is po uh, like posing in the photo, she looks exactly like that Pontiac uh, emblem. So, um, okay, one more clip. This is very short. And I just thought that this was pertinent for today. Joe Biden uh, was being interviewed by Jay Leno. And it, uh, there was basically a Russian spy and um, she's very attractive, and they do mention, mention Rush Limbaugh, which is the only reason I'm playing this. Now this, uh, this Russian woman here, let me ask you something, and you would know this, Mr. Vice President. Do we have any spies that hot? <laughs> let me make it clear. It wasn't my idea to send her back. <laughs> my. Anyway, I thought maybe they'd take Rush Limbaugh or something. Good move. Shows you how hated he was. The fact that they are even that Joe Biden's mentioning him, and also I didn't say 
I didn't say it was my idea to send that Russian spy back. She's so hot. I thought, might as well bring her up to my room. Oh, wait, where's Corn Pop? Um, so it, it's just absolutely ridiculous. But yeah, I thought I'd play that. He was so hated. And you know you are doing the right thing if you are that hated. So God bless you, Rush Limbaugh. We will miss you forever. Honestly, forever, as long as we possibly can. All right, we're back. Uh, I am back with my father. And, um, uh, Dad, do you have any thought on Rush Limbaugh? I was just going to observe that sometimes when somebody's trying to be established and begin their career, and, you know, in his case in radio, it seemed like that was a dream for him. And he had several failed attempts. And, how do you go from that to becoming iconic? <laughs> and uh, so sometimes in the midst of our struggles, as we are trying to find ourselves, uh, something beautiful comes out of it. Yep. And, and I think that was the case with Rush Limbaugh. It, it sort of developed and it had a life of its own. And now we can't hardly imagine anybody comparing to him. Can't think of anyone. And, and they're continuing the show. You know, the mm-hmm. guest hosts are going to be on there. They're playing clips of him. It's not the same. Mm-hmm. It is not the same. And, yeah, he, uh, there's no one like him. And mm-hmm. uh, Ben Shapiro said it. He said, if you hadn't listened to Russell and Ball, you missed out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because even now, oh, you can listen to him, and you'll listen to his clips, and it'll be fun. But you will never be able to hear him ever again with his take on a current issue. That's over. Mm-hmm. You never get that back. You know, not only did he, you know, speak so much about conservatism and its merits and all, but he spoke about liberalism Mm -hmm. and he brought it to light, you know, and a lot of its dangers and pitfalls to the American people. So, you know, he just painted it very clearly and uh, in an enjoyable way and, you know, like those mechanics that you mentioned. (laughs) And uh, their customers, you know, they, in effect, were were taught. They took a course, you know, over a long period of time, as we say, line upon line, precept upon precept, <laughs> and they acquired, in that sense, an education. D- didn't he, I think he made reference to that, you know, that, uh, oh, he had a lot of things he talked about, but... You know, the, the that it was like getting a degree or, you know, that it was some kind of a schooling or education yeah. process that he was involved in through his radio broadcasting. Guys, you don't realize how hard it is. The The amount of preparation I had to do, even just to speak about Rush Limbaugh, um, you have to, whenever you're speaking by yourself, you have to create this whole thing. And then you're in front of a microphone and you get a little nervous sometimes. And it, it's just, it's three hours. I cannot even imagine. Um, and yeah, it's, it, he lost his hearing at some point And he had to listen to callers. And he had to understand their tones. Like, people just don't understand the talent that goes into that. It's not mm. just talking. I wish it was. But it's so much harder than that. It was like an analysis. <clears throat> you know, he would 
pick apart things that happened in the news and show you insights that you definitely didn't get on the news programming. And you probably never would have even thought of, but yet when you would hear it, you realize, yeah, that's exactly true. Yeah. You know, he, he would say things that would ring true. I don't think people would have continued listening to him all those years if he was saying things that, you know, were just speculation and they had no merit. But his his analysis and views would ring true. Exactly right. Yeah, I could say a thousand more things, but uh, for the sake of time, let's um, talk about this. So if you are from Texas and you listen to this show, you know that Governor Abbott took away the mask mandate and it ended March 10th. Um, so I don't know how long this has been going on for, but this was multiple months. And we were out in another part of Texas. And so we, during our stay in this other part of Texas, we were able to kind of see the before and after. And for my, for my eyes, I saw no difference. <laughs> you know, obviously, um, it's the state through the governor, you know, changing it, uh, eliminating what they had imposed. But uh, you've got all these different institutions, whether they be the schools, whether they be, you know, a hotel or restaurant or a retail store or a corporation. And uh, it just seems like there's pressures, maybe legal pressures, you know, liability issues of, you know, if... Um, that somehow you're safer if you have that still in place. And, you know, I, I wonder to what degree, maybe they're not so much enforced anymore. Maybe it's just suggestion. But mm-hmm. I think everybody's kind of gotten comfortable. It, you know, that word sounds kind of funny because we, a lot of us hate the masks and hate the whole COVID thing. But we're, there's, there's a little, it's like a security blanket. And if you wear the mask and you're in a place where other people are wearing the mask, you feel a little bit more secure than you would otherwise. I think you're right. And and to that I say, well, I know a lot of people and they've gotten COVID and they wore the mask religiously. Mm -hmm. And of course they would say, well, other people didn't and that's why that happened. (laughs) (laughs) Right. You took it out for one second and uh, yeah, (laughs) It just shows me, yeah, like you're saying, it's a, it's a security blanket. And mm-hmm. so many people at the time, uh, well, all throughout this time, I've heard people that are even for the mask saying, oh, gosh, I hate this thing, though. I do wish this could be over. And, well, now it's over. Mm-hmm. And they still mm-hmm. want to keep it up. Mm-hmm. So it, it is confusing. But, yeah, it's if you got COVID and you had the mask on, it's okay. It's okay. No worries. But if you had that mask off, same result. You still got COVID. But you had that mask off. That's on you. <laughs> so <laughs> it makes no sense. Yeah. I, you know, there's so many issues here. You've got the federal versus state issues. And, of course, all the different states have different policies all over the place. And it's not even clear who governs. You know, c- can the federal government say something and it's, you know, it's controlling for the states. It doesn't seem, it seems like it's more the states making their own policies. It doesn't seem like there's any, anything federal except for the giving away of money. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
you know, and I, I just, um, you know, of course you got the whole school issue. That's a, another big one um, that I think people are very fired up about. And so, um, you know, it seems like there's some federal input on that issue. Um, but, you know, a lot of the states, they're just dragging their heels on, you know, rolling this stuff back. And I think some people, if it's affecting them greatly, at least they're losing patience. For sure. Um, I listened to the Luke Messias show just to kind of get Texas-specific news. And on his episode, this last episode he did, he was really explaining why the governor took away the mandate. And he was saying Mm -hmm. everything that the governor does is purely political. So whatever will be most advantageous for him, he will do. So before this, a lot of this stuff got serious. He he's reportedly said, "No, we would never do that. We would never do a mandate for mask." This is Texas, and then it started getting more serious. And even though Christy Nome of South Dakota and uh, Rick DeSantis of Florida, those governors, they had still held the line and said, "No, we're not going to do enforce mask." He began to switch and he said okay well uh yep now we're doing a mask mandate because he thought all these people were going to die and this was politically advantageous and he you know he was looking at those people saying oh what idiots it won't be worth it for them then at cpac the conservative uh event um he obviously he's going to run for president for this next term and they did a poll there and he got 0% um, on anyone that would vote for him at that event. Even, dang it, Kasich got, uh, John Kasich, say his Ohio. Name? Yeah. Is it Kas- Kasich? Kas- Kas- Kasich. Kasich, yeah. He ran for president in 2016. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he um, did, did he, pretty well. He's a turncoat. Like, mm. he has all been for Biden. He He's not a good Republican, guys. And even he got 0.2%. Mm. So it shows you how badly people are viewing um, Governor Abbott. So then he he basically said, okay, I got to stop this mandate because it is not helping me anymore. And so then he finally ended it. Like the king he is on his throne. And well, even in Austin, I think already, um, Ken Paxton, the attorney general of Texas, he's suing um, the Austin mayor because they're still trying to keep this mandate. Mm. And he said, no, it's supposed to be ended. You're supposed to give people the option. So he's suing them. <laughs> so it's not just a question of federal versus state. It's now <laughs> federal, state, and local. Yeah. You know, uh, city governments. You know, so that it, it really is complicated. Um there's such a wide variety of viewpoints on it. Yeah. Um, oh, wait, you were just out today. What, what did you see? Uh, like we went to the gym and I think, well, we were at Walmart and there was still quite a few masks. Okay. But yeah, where we live, there's a lot of people that have never used masks in Walmart. <laughs> it okay. Seems, it seems uh, maybe they've, put it on to walk in the door at one point, but then take them right off. Uh, so I think, I think it's, there's some decrease. Okay. But 
it's there's definitely plenty of masks out there. So crazy. So crazy mm-hmm. to think about that. But uh, that's what we're doing. We're mandating ourselves. Mm-hmm. So if I can help it, I don't want to wear it. I, I I have to wear it at work. That's what I have to do. But it basically everywhere else, I my goal is don't wear it and then be told to wear it. And then I'll put it on. Mm. That'll be kind of my goal. So, you know, like one question in my mind, and I guess I just haven't really kept up on the latest news on it, but how bad is COVID right now? <laughs> you know, you, you don't hear much about it. And that tells me that it's really not that bad. No. But they they don't want to go so go that far to say there's not much COVID around. Um, but so I, I I just kind of am, sus- am suspicious about the numbers and the reporting of it, and um, you know I kind of feel like we're in a time when there's just not much COVID out there to catch, even if you if you have a mask or not. Mm. But that they just don't want to say that. <laughs> it's almost like, you know, if if they're reporting on a hurricane, you always make it the worst possible. Yeah. You know, because you, know, you figure, well, if we're wrong, at least let's err on the side of being too safe. I think you're right. They really, and are they still doing the death ticker and mm-hmm. all of that? And, of course, they're still blaming Trump for all the deaths mm-hmm. uh, as if he mm-hmm. actually committed them. They literally say that. Those deaths, those People that died, it's on your hands, Trump. So, and of course, it didn't go over to Biden. Mm, Right. I guess except for Cuomo, right? Yeah, it did go over to Cuomo. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, we'll have to talk about that one another time. Um, But yeah, now to end the show, uh, you know this first, Dad. Proverbs 10.23, doing wickedness is like sport to a fool, and so is wisdom to a person of understanding. So yeah, doing wickedness is like sport to a fool, and so is wisdom to a person of understanding. Mm. And whenever I read this uh, verse, um, this is what I wrote. You will produce what you are. Liars are going to lie. Stealers are going to steal. Killers are going to kill. On the other hand, givers are going to give. Healers are going to heal. And encouragers are going to encourage. Much of the Bible has practical truth. Don't be shocked when your life is not what you want it to be. God allows you to cling to him for help to change it. That's good. Thanks, Dad. Yeah, you know, boy, wisdom versus wickedness. You know, we really have to choose that. I think we all have some degree of wisdom, you know, that we're aware of. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we know what works. We know what's right. And um, we can either choose that or choose wickedness, which we're... Also very clear on, we know what's wicked, mm-hmm. what's wrong. And uh, boy, God, I believe, wants us to have a healthy, functioning conscience. Yes. You know, that tells us, yes, no, that's not right. Don't do that. And uh, the Bible talks about our consciences being seared, in effect, so they no longer work. You know, be like... You know, you're, you've got nerves all over your body, let's say on your fingertips. But if you stuck your finger in a fr- frying pan that was hot, you could burn off the nerve endings to the point where you no longer had feeling. Yeah. And you can do that with your conscience in the same way so that it no longer responds 
because you're so used to doing what you know to be wrong. So what a verse. Definitely so. Yeah, Proverbs is, is one of the best. And yep, I thought that'd be a good way to end. And yeah, I, I thank you so much for listening to the show and uh, listening about Rush Limbaugh. If, if I could, yeah, give you any assignment, just try to find some clip of Rush Limbaugh and just look at him go because he's just so fun to listen to. So um, God bless you all and I hope you have a great day.